Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here nationwide from Atlanta, Georgia. The phone number 877-973-7425 should you wish to be a part of this year program. Delighted to have you with me today. Today is election day in Pennsylvania and in North Carolina. And there are a number of races to watch for out there today. Uh, It's also in Kentucky and Idaho and Oregon. Uh, In the North Carolina race, uh, you've got the Pat McCrory versus Ted Budd race. By the way, I like Pat McCrory. He's the former governor of North Carolina, but if I were, and I like Mark Walker tremendously. Uh, If I were in North Carolina, I I would have voted for Mark Walker along the way, um, but I thought he jumped out and got back into the congressional race, and then he decided not to, and I'm not sure why. Uh, he's, he's not really registered in the polls, but I mean, Ted Budd's a good dude. We had him on the program the other day. I really like Ted Budd. He'll be a fantastic member of the Senate. And by the way, he runs away with, when you put Ted Budd up against any of the Democrats, he outperforms all of his Republican, uh, competitors in this primary and he's going to win and Donald Trump will get a win in that, uh, race in Idaho. You got, this is a weird one. Uh, So Brad Little is the incumbent Republican governor of Idaho and a fairly conservative dude. But Janice McGeechan is his lieutenant governor and she decided to run against him in the Republican primary Uh, in large part because when Little was out of state, he had put a mask mandate in for a a short time in Idaho. He left the state, left her in charge, and she got rid of the mask mandate. He came back and kind of marginalized her. Uh, McGeechan has been backed by Donald Trump and some of the local uh, former Tea Party activists, but it looks like Brad Little is going to win re-election. The, one of the most interesting on the Democratic side is in Oregon, Kurt Schrader is a moderate Democrat. Now, moderate, he's liberal. He's not progressive. He's not wackadoo. Uh, he's being challenged by Jamie McLeod Skinner, uh, Elizabeth Warren, uh, the squad. They're they're all supporting this uh, Skinner person. And Schrader got endorsed by Joe Biden. And oddly enough, Schrader's downplayed Joe Biden's endorsement and also voted against the American Rescue Plan. Uh, the, the race is so it, the district leans Democrat, but it's not necessarily a uh, Democratic race. Then there's North Carolina 11, Madison Cawthorn. Uh, will he survive? The odds are actually in Cawthorn's favor. He's being challenged by a number of people, including Chuck Edwards, a state senator, and then Bruce O'Connell, who's self-funded. One of the th- problems here is there are a ton of people. I think there are eight people in that race, and that benefits Cawthorn. If he can get above 30%, he can avoid a runoff. Uh, he is the biggest spinner of the race. Um, and I know I take that back. The anti, uh, Cawthorn group is the biggest spender in the race. I I'm interested to see what happens with him. I kind of think he is too young and immature to be in Congress, but, uh, I don't know whether or not that'll actually happen. Um, we'll see. And then there is North Carolina or Pennsylvania. There are a lot of people attacking Kathy Barnett. 
Now, you should know, the photos came out yesterday that she was at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th. There's no evidence she went into the Capitol, but she was certainly in the march down the street. They've got photos of her. She's confirmed it was her. I feel bad for this woman. Now, my head is with uh, David McCormick in Pennsylvania. I think McCormick is a boring, good conservative candidate. He would make a great senator. Uh, He'd be perfect for the Senate. He would vote the right way. He would be uh, to the right of Pat Toomey, who himself is a nice guy, Um, not as conservative as he once was. He's moderated since he was the president of the Club for Growth. Pat Toomey has. He's retiring. The seat is open. The Democrats have a really good chance of picking up the seat because the Republicans in Pennsylvania, with the help of Donald Trump, have screwed this all up. Mehmet Oz is a fraud. He is a charlatan. He is a huckster. He was anti-Donald Trump until about five seconds ago. That man will say or do anything to get elected, and he will have six years in the Senate where I guarantee you, given his consistency before five seconds ago on being for gun control and the like, uh, he is going to be a uh, become a liberal in the Senate. And he probably will lose to the Democrat Fetterman who had a stroke the other day. Uh, who he's doing fine, he's making a full recovery. Uh, the only reason Mehmet Oz has Donald Trump support is because uh, Sean Hannity and uh, Melania Trump urged him to endorse Mehmet Oz. I feel bad for Kathy Barnett. She's a true believer. She is someone I actually think she can get elected. She said some stuff that that makes people immediately blush. I can't believe she said those things about Muslims. Uh, News tip, news flash. A lot of people I know don't say that stuff in public, but behind the scenes, they believe it. She just says out loud what everybody else thinks behind the scenes or a large number of people. You may not like it, but a lot of people think these things that she says out loud and they're not going to turn their back on her. And I would not be surprised if there is a bit of an antagonistic view of the polling there where she might actually be in first place because people are afraid to actually say they're supporting her, even though they are. She is a black conservative woman who marched in the streets for Donald Trump, and he went with Mehmet Oz. I think David McCormick is the easiest lift there. I think he could win easy, but I think she can too. It'll just be tougher for her. And I'm going to be interested to see there. The other one in Pennsylvania that I am struck by is uh, Doug Mastriano. Doug Mastriano is running for governor there. It's an open seat. The Democratic governor, Tom Wolf, is term limited. And Mastriano just got Donald Trump support. Now, uh, Lou Barletta is actually the candidate people should be voting for. He is the good conservative Pennsylvania guy and Trump backed him for the Senate in 20, what, 20, 2018, I think, and he lost. Mastriano is a guy that nobody thinks can win. He's a retired Army colonel. He has a lot of homegrown grassroots support. He advocated the stop the steal stuff, was a diehard defender of Donald Trump, tried to help come up with a legal strategy to overturn the Pennsylvania race. Um, and he marched with protesters past an abandoned police barricade uh, near the Capitol on January 6th. We don't know if he went in. 
he says he was following the law. Here, here's what I'm what I'm interested in is uh, one. I don't think we can really say any of these people can't win. It's like Herschel Walker in Georgia. Now you should know. I interviewed all the candidates, and I settled on Latham Sadler uh, for my vote. I look. I, I was thoroughly impressed with all of them. I, I'm impressed with his bio. He backpacked through northern Afghanistan, learned the language, and then joined the Navy SEALs. Uh, given all of the terrible, disparaging statements about the military that Raphael Warnock has made, put him up a, a guy against Latham Sadler, and I don't think that that uh, Raphael Warnock stands a chance. But I will tell you, my opinion is, while Herschel Walker is a heavy lift, I think Herschel Walker beats Warnock too. I think a lot of these people beat him, and this is the problem. I think conventional wisdom has to go out the door to some degree. Now, there are people like Eric Greitens in Missouri. He's a, a sexual predator. He, I, I have a hard time believing he wins the Republican nomination, let alone wins Missouri. But how can you say Kathy Barnett, whose sin is she says what a lot of people say out loud, what a lot of people say privately, she says out loud. That, that's that's what people are upset about with Kathy Barnett. Let's be honest here. Uh, she says some crazy things, and she's got a Twitter feed. And a lot of what she says are things a lot of other people say privately. I think she could do it. I think if Herschel Walker comes out and makes himself the victim when they attack him on mental health, I think it helps him. But a lot of people are convinced Mastriano cannot win. Uh, there are a lot of lot of Republicans out there convinced he can't win. A lot of people who support Donald Trump and believe this election was stolen who don't believe this guy can win. And what's coming and what's happening is the chickens are coming home to roost. Republicans in Pennsylvania more so than anywhere else bought into the cult of personality. And those Republicans will do whatever Donald Trump says, elevating his candidates, whether they can win or not. And Donald Trump is not picking candidates to win for the future. He's picking candidates to nurse his grievance for the past. And the Pennsylvania Republican Party, the House of Cards, is collapsing for him because they bought into the Stop the Steal, and they are relying on that. And that may alienate them from independent voters. What both sides have to remember is there is a large group of people called independent voters. And independent voters don't think the race was stolen. And they don't think you should murder your baby the week before its due date. And you have to get those independent voters to vote for you. And the way you get independent voters is you be not as crazy as the other side. And if you can be more reasonable than you can be crazy, just don't out crazy the other side. You can be you can be bat poop crazy, and as long as you're not nearly as crazy as the other side, you can you will still win those independent voters and win. That's what you got to do. And when we're at when we're at a point where you are picking candidates based on nursing grievances from the past instead of getting us to the future. That's where I think you get problems. That's where I think you start losing. And that's the concern in Pennsylvania is that they're going to lose in November because they decided to choose candidates to placate Donald Trump's grievances of 2020 instead of moving forward. 
The election isn't until Tuesday, but the blame game is already well underway, according to Politico, with far-right state Senator Doug Mastriano on the verge of capturing the Pennsylvania GOP gubernatorial nomination. Republicans are lashing out, furious that he could cost them a shot at a competitive race in the perennial swing state. Last-ditch efforts to stop Mastriano seemed doomed from the start, but the final blow came Saturday when former President Donald Trump threw his support behind Mastriano, who had been one of his chief boosters of conspiracy theories about the 2020 election. Even before Election Day, some Republicans in the state are pointing fingers over Mastriano's expected win, specifically singling out state party chair Lawrence Tabas. They argue he should have encouraged the party to endorse a gubernatorial candidate, muscled out low-polling contenders, or pushed the GOP to unite behind alternatives to Mastriano. Who cares? It's the voters who get to pick, not the party. And the voters decided to do this. And maybe they can rally. I, I Listen, this year the economy is so bad. People are so mad about all the cultural attacks from the left. Anything could happen. I don't think you could say this guy absolutely can't win. I definitely think you could look at some of these candidates like him and say it's going to be harder to win. But I don't think you could say he absolutely can't win. But it's on the voters. And those Republican voters, maybe they'll learn their lesson. You decided to nurse grievances about 2020, and now the chickens are coming home to roost. Everybody else is ready to move on, and you're still arguing about the past, and people are going to look for a future-looking candidate. And maybe Mastriano pivots. Maybe he gets the nomination, and he pivots, and he says, you know what? Uh, Now to the future. And here's my vision of the future. And if he does, maybe he can pull it off. What I think, though, more than anything, is that whether... Donald Trump's candidates win or his picks lose. The media is going to play up the losses disproportionately to the wins. And what I really think needs to happen is we should be playing up the candidates who pivot to stop litigating the past, whether they're Trump candidates or not. Stop litigating the past. Start looking forward to the future. Your lesson is down in Georgia where David Perdue has gone into hiding. No one's found him. No one's seen him. He's doing no events. His entire campaign was premised on litigating the past. And the people moved on and went with Brian Kemp. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know, I used to have a great business sense and love to invest, and it just got overwhelming. And I've been looking to get back into it. And y'all, I have tried the different companies. Y'all know the companies I'm talking about out there. And I settled on SoFi for a lot of reasons. And now I'm actually happy to tell you about them as a podcast advertiser. I'm happy they came on board because I came on board them before this. And I really like it. One of the reasons I like it is because it's gotten so complicated with all the jargon out there. You got meme stocks, altcoin, you got shilling for different stocks. You don't know who you can trust. Uh, with SoFi, you can actually get into investing stocks, ETFs, crypto, retirement planning. You get all the IRA options, whether SEP, traditional, or Roth. You don't get commissions on trading stocks and ETFs. You get no account fees or hidden fees. You can use fractional shares that start as low as $5 to buy brand name stocks. Even if you don't have a couple thousand dollars lying around, you can get started for cheap with SoFi putting your money in and watching it grow over time. Now listen, you get hands-on with active investing. You can let SoFi's number one ranked automated investing tool, their robo-advisor, take the stress out of building and managing a diversified portfolio. They've got it all there. It's easy to use. I've been using it. I love the interface. It's intuitive. If I can do it, you can do it. Cut through the jargon. 
Make investing easy with SoFi. Go to SoFi.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to learn how you can win up to $1,000 in stock when you open an account. That's SoFi.com slash Eric, S-O-F-I dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. Brokerage and active investing products offered through SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Hi there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Grover Norquist is going to join me to talk about taxes and the Democratic tax strategy and how Republicans are pushing back when we come back on this this whole idea of raising corporate taxes uh, around the country as well and rich people taxes to pay down inflation, which is nonsense. I mean, you raise corporate taxes, you know what happens? Your prices go up because you pay the corporate tax. But first... Has anyone seen David Perdue? Donald Trump's candidate for governor in Georgia has gone missing. He has not been on the campaign trail since Friday. He hasn't been on social media. He's done a couple of uh, video interviews with some uh, fringe video streaming services, but he really hasn't been seen anywhere. He's got three events. Now, the, the primary in Georgia is a week from today. And Purdue has three events scheduled between now and then. His polling numbers have cratered. And what his team is hanging on to is something like 48% of the people who have voted early in the Republican primary this time were registered in 2018 but did not vote in 2018. They're hanging on to that. Uh, And a lot of people are ambivalent to that. But, you know, you can find who those people are. And I am told fairly reliably that uh, it's not going his way. He seems to know it. They've taken down their ads. The outside groups have taken down their ads. Now, what the Purdue team says is, well, we're going into a runoff and we're going to save our money for the runoff. I don't know that that's the case. Just don't know that that's the case. Um, the polling I'm hearing from outside groups has, has uh, uh, Kemp at this point over 60%. This was this was foolhardy, and the problem here is is I've always liked David Perdue, and when I say that now, I get angry emails from people, which is sad because people thought very highly of him, and then he decided to do this, uh, risking Georgians being forced to have Stacey Abrams as governor, and it just um, it's it's sad to see the end of Purdue like this, and. I can guarantee you, I I will not do this. I promise you I will not do this. Some of you will accuse me of doing it anyway. But uh, given the number of wins that Donald Trump is having around the country, there's no reason to try to blame this on Donald Trump. He wanted someone to go after, um, wanted somebody to go after Brian Kemp. And he found David Perdue, and it's probably not going to happen. Chris Carr is going to win. He should win. Chris Carr is a great attorney general. He absolutely should win. Uh, John King as insurance commissioner absolutely should win. Bruce Thompson as a labor commissioner absolutely should win. Um, and you know, in the sixth congressional district, Rich McCormick, uh, Rich McCormick is your guy in the, in the sixth congressional district. Good people. All of them. I've got a full list of people who I would vote for or did vote for. You can text data to three, three, seven, seven, seven and get that list if you want it. Welcome back nationwide. It is Eric Erickson here from Atlanta. The phone number 877-973-7425. One of the people who has done more than most to make Republicans toe the line on on fiscal sanity 
uh, and and stop big spending, but also have reasonable tax policies around the country is Grover Norquist from Americans for Tax Reform. He's joining me by phone to talk about the Biden economy. Grover, how are you? I am doing well. The Biden economy, not so well. <laughs> exactly. I'm glad you could come on and, and talk about this because, I mean, I know you know this stuff better than most. And I, I noticed yesterday, I think it was, Morgan Stanley came out and said that actually uh, dumping all the money they dumped into the economy is what made it worse. Uh, not all of this uh, corporate tax nonsense they're starting to float. And even Elon Musk, I guess, has now been caught on an open mic saying when you dump that much into the economy, what do you expect is going to happen? What's painful is that Biden is old enough to remember uh, Jimmy Carter, who spent too much, printed money, tried to raise taxes, and you saw runaway inflation. Uh, Challenges, he's also old enough to not remember that. And he is doing exactly what Jimmy Carter did, uh, but more so. Uh, He is moving faster on printing more money, faster on spending more money. uh, And absolutely, the the projections of economic growth and job creation before Biden took office uh, were not improved by that $2 trillion uh, of spending. I mean, we got no additional jobs for what was expected to trend from the economy. You've done nothing. Uh, it was a very expensive way to do nothing other than to make the value of the dollar less. Uh, it was almost just over a year ago that uh, Jen, Jen Psaki, the press lady over at the White House, uh, referred to in that inflation as temporary and transitory. Uh, one year ago, they also said, remember, it'll all be over by December. That was before last December. It's <laughs> not next December, last December. Uh, they do know what causes inflation. The other Democrats from other administrations have talked to them. They just have so much requirement in terms of spending money to reward friends and allies to help you get through the last election and you hope will get you through the next election. Their constituency demands this level of spending, uh, which is why they're also demanding higher taxes. They want to take the corporate rate up higher than China's, higher than Europe's. European average is 19. Uh, China's at somewhere between 15 and 25, depending on the the product. Uh, And we would go up above China. So when we went to compete in the world, we would be behind China on taxes alone, on taxes alone. Good grief. Now, I want to just, as as an aside here, when we're talking about this, uh, delve into MMT, the modern monetary theory that it seems to be thoroughly discredited, and yet I, I know the squad and Elizabeth Warren and others have completely uh, latched on to this idea that we really can print our way with the printing presses as much money as we want, get out of this problem, and all we have to do is raise taxes on corporations. Well, this is an odd one, and it's a good idea for them to focus on the corporate tax uh, because when we cut the corporate tax rate, the Republican Trump tax cut of 2017, we took that rate from 35%, which was highest in the world, higher than China, higher than Japan, higher than anybody uh, in Europe, took it down to 21, which made us okay competitive. Uh, president wanted to go to 15. Uh, 15 would have made us very competitive. Hope someday we can get to 15. Uh, but the corporate income tax is paid somewhere between a third and two thirds by workers getting lower pay. Liberals think it's a third. Conservatives think it's two thirds or more, depending on how you look at it. But nobody argues 
that the corporate income tax is paid by a guy named General Motors. Uh, it is paid by consumers and higher prices. Uh, it is paid uh, by lower wages. Uh, matter of fact, uh, the Tax Foundation argues it's about 70%. Uh, when you have a trillion-dollar tax on corporate income, that's a $700 million tax depression of workers' wages. That's where it comes from. What, what do most companies spend most of their money doing? Paying wages. If you told them you had $100 left, what would they cut? If you told them you had $1,000 less, what do you cut? 70% is going to be uh, workers' salaries or workers themselves, the jobs. And so the corporate income tax is largely structured to fool you and me and everyone as to who's paying it. Ah, the big corporations will pay it. Well, actually, the workers across the country will pay it in lower wages. And it's, that's cruel for the Biden administration to come up with that fib. I much prefer the one that businessmen became greedy on the day that Biden was elected, that during the, the Trump years, the Obama years, they weren't greedy. And then something clicked when Biden got elected, they all became greedy and prices started going up. That's my preferred stupid explanation. I think it's more damaging to try and add a second problem, depressing wages by raising the corporate income tax, uh, than the just silly argument um, that it's Putin, because everybody knew right. evidently that Putin was going to invade Ukraine and we started to print more money <laughs> result. That one just doesn't work on the time. Frame. But look, if you have no answer, you have to say something. You're standing in front of a podium and they've got cameras in your face. You can't say, I screwed up. Sorry. Uh, what do you do? You just throw out something. Right. So now, if if you're looking at the situation, you got inflation, we've got shortages, we've got deficit spending uh, that they claim is is really better than it ever has been, whether it is or not. What what, what would you recommend if if you get a Republican in suddenly tomorrow, or or you get a Republican Congress? What do you tell them to start with to fix the problem? I take a look at what Reagan did because Reagan came in with just this challenge. You had inflation over ten percent for two years. Uh, in a row. You had the economy slowing because of uh, too many regulations, too many taxes, and all the challenges that a Democrat president regularly uh, creates. And Reagan did two things. He got the money supply slowed, which can give you a recession or slow growth as people try and reorganize themselves. But he also had an across-the-board 25% tax cut. The Democrats made it have to be over three years, uh, and so it didn't kick in until 1983, but on January 1983, the recovery started and it roared. It created 4 million jobs in that one year when we had very low inflation. So the Democrat argument against Reagan's tax cut is this will ca cause inflation. In point of fact, Reagan took inflation down because inflation is caused by too much money. And by having economic growth, we created more jobs and more income and people did better. So we avoided, we stopped the recession that, 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 that they had. Um, we need to do both. We need to take taxes down, uh, particularly corporate taxes, again, to be more competitive uh, with the rest of the world. And we need to slow the growth. But the other cost that government can control is the regulatory burden. When you take so long to build a road or a building or to give somebody a permit to, to, to have a gold mine or a copper mine or something, that raises the cost of things. It's not inflation in the sense of a general increase in prices, but it raises certainly the cost of certain goods uh, and services. So make a list of the things the government does that make it too expensive. The Davis-Bacon Act, the Jones Act, which raised the cost of shipping and, and transportation and, 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 and uh, construction. 
Both of those are laws which just inflate the cost of goods and services, maybe 25 percent, maybe more. Get rid of those laws. Now, I, I know this is, is a, a, only a degree or so outside your wheelhouse, but the energy costs in this country with the Biden administration canceling leases uh, offshore, it, it seems like every time we found a way to bring down oil and gas prices in this country, we've been able to incentivize some economic growth without seeing big inflation. And yet this administration seems so hostage to the cult of environmentalists that uh, they would rather wreck the economy than, than give people lower prices through cheaper energy. Uh, you just explained their policy. That is exactly <laughs> what they prefer to do. And it is, it's not a bug, it's a feature. It's on purpose, comrade. Uh, it is not a coincidence. Uh, they want higher prices. They don't like a mobile society. They don't like you to be able to get in your car and go anywhere and get a job anywhere. Uh, they want control of transportation. They like people on rails for some reason. Uh, they, they like metros that only go to fixed places that were decided 50 years ago when you built the metro, as opposed to today where people wish to move or live. They like that kind of control. And they don't. Who says thank you to a politician? Reagan deregulated oil and natural gas, which everyone said would see the cost go up. What happened? Prices went down, not up. The regulations for our own good uh, actually raised the cost and made energy scarcer because who wanted to go look for more energy if there was a price cap on it uh so we did exactly the opposite of what the liberals wanted and we saw prices go down and when we expanded fracking and the availability of where you could drill and had pipelines online to give us energy from canada for hundreds of years to come all of those things saw the price of energy go down we almost bankrupted putin the worst thing that ever happened to Putin was Trump's energy policy. And the best thing that ever happened to Putin is Biden's energy policy. I mean, they get this all wrong as to who's Putin's best friend in reality. Not in yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you say that one because it's it's striking to me how uh, aggressive the Trump administration was with sanctions on Russia. A lot of them scaled back the moment Biden came in. And, and yet somehow or another, you know, uh, Putin was in or Trump was in the tank for Biden or for for. Putin, and, you know, this this brings me actually to a, a completely separate question, um, okay. not not even in the purview of what we're talking about, but you've been in Washington a very long time. We both know the media is perennially biased against our side, and yet it really does seem like uh, any sort of boundaries they had to even pretend to be objective have just disappeared at this point, desperate to stop this coming Republican wave. Um, well, it's not just the coming Republican wave. If you look at 1932 to 1994, okay, 62 years, the Republicans held the House and the Senate. They held Congress, all of Congress, for four years, two years under Truman, two years under Eisenhower, 62 years of American history from FDR up until Newt Gingrich wins the House and Senate, uh, 94. The Republicans had control for four of 62 years. Since 94 which I would point out 95% of all the Republicans running signed the taxpayer protection pledge that we share with people and kept it. And since 94, when the Republicans, if the, if the Republicans have the House or the Senate, taxes do not increase. Because the Republicans have committed against raising taxes, which wasn't always their position. Since 94, the Republicans have won the House and the Senate together 60% of the time. The left, the establishment press, the newspapers in this town who have a living because they, they have 
sources inside the Democratic Party, and they know what's going to happen, and if the Democratic Party isn't in control, they've got to get new sources and go to work, uh, and all of the interests that are organized around government spending feel threatened by the Republican longevity there. They're panicked because the country's 50-50, frankly, with an edge, if you look at state legislatures and governors for the Republicans, they're on the edge, they believe, of losing control of the country. They, meaning sort of self-appointed aristocracy who think of themselves, I listen to NPR, I'm better than everybody else, and I'll tell you what to do. That group is losing power, having not having the Supreme Court drive their agenda for them so they could sit down and just watch it happen without winning House and Senate seats. <laughs> that's, that's even reversing now, okay? We were playing on it with the House and Senate. Republicans and Democrats would fight. They'd be on an aircraft carrier, and the aircraft carrier would be drifting left because of the Supreme Court decisions. So you thought you were gaining ground, but you were losing, even if you were winning elections, because the court was driving the country so far to the left on criminal justice and, and property rights and union stuff, all sorts of various uh, challenges. Now, they don't have the court to overwhelm popular opinion and elections. Uh, the state legislatures are, are now more Republican than Democrat. Governors are more Republican than Democrat. The Congress is 50-50. All it takes is a Republican who can work well with Congress and a Congress that can work well together, and we can undo 60 years of damage uh, simply by block-granting the welfare programs in America and sending it out to the states to run. So competent states would not only have lower taxes, competent states would have better-run welfare programs to get people into jobs and off of welfare, and you would see the difference between successful red states and unsuccessful blue states be not just on lower taxes, right-to-work, economic growth, better labor, better laws on suing people, but also on spending capabilities and on fighting against creating some people who are locked into people who are locked into uh, welfare dependency, which is what the Democrats have accomplished if it wasn't what they were trying to do. Well, Grover, look, I got to leave it there. This has been extremely insightful. I sure appreciate you stopping by. Well, thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Grover Norquist, uh, president of Americans for Tax Reform, really, really just uh, one of the most insightful people you can get on to talk about economic issues and taxes. Now, speaking of insightful issues, one of the issues you may have in your house is dirty air, stinky air, and you need to clean it and get rid of the stinky odors. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm does that for you. You can get three of them for less than $200 right now by going to EdenPureDeals.com. Eden, like the Garden of Eden, EdenPureDeals.com. You put in ERIC3 is the discount code, E-R-I-C-K-3. You'll get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200. You're getting free shipping. It's a great product. It not only gets rid of odors, but also the mildew, the mold, the bacteria, the pollen. It's filterless, so you just wipe it out on occasion, and it works. You get three of them. I keep one in my suitcase and travel with it in case a hotel room or a rental car has smoky odors, pet odors, stinky odors, musty odors. Uh, EdenPureDeals.com is the website. The discount code is ERIC3. Hi there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Congress is going to hold its first hearing on UFOs in more than 50 years. It's the House Intelligence Committee, Subcommittee on Counterterrorism, Counterintelligence, and Counterproliferation. It's going to hear testimony from defense officials on reports of unidentified aerial phenomena and the risks they pose. 
Adam Schiff is the chairman. He said the public wants to know. Uh, the hearing actually got started uh, a couple hours ago. This is from the Wall Street Journal. In 1966, then-House Minority Leader Gerald Ford helped organize a congressional hearing on UFOs. An expert hired by the Air Force to investigate UFO sightings said the unexplained flying objects were actually swamp gas. An explanation Mr. Ford called flippant, according to the Gerald Ford Presidential Library. In 1968, Congress held a hearing where it heard testimony from scientists urging lawmakers to investigate. Tuesday's hearing follows last year's release of a report by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence that reviewed dozens of reports of mysterious flying objects that had occurred between 2004 and 2021. Some of the flying objects reportedly appeared to exhibit unusual flight characteristics. The report found 18 examples where the objects displayed were had no visible propulsion or appeared to work using technology beyond the known capabilities of the U.S. or its adversaries. The reports of unidentified aerial phenomena didn't provide conclusive evidence of alien activity, but it wasn't ruled out. These flying objects could potentially pose a hazard to safety of flight and could pose a broader danger if some instances represent sophisticated collections against U.S. military activities by foreign governments. China and Russia are believed to be experimenting with hypersonic technology, which moves at more than five times the speed of sound, but the intelligence report didn't conclude that these nations were involved in the unexplained flights. I have a theory. My theory is that uh, the simplest explanation is China, in particular, has developed drone technology. The problem with the theory is that some of what uh, they are seeing, these pilots for the Air Force and the Navy are seeing, actually defies the laws of physics as we know it. I mean, they're literally seeing um, non-aerodynamic shapes hurtling through the atmosphere uh, and then turning at 90-degree angles. And that just that's that's not doesn't seem possible. And yet they're witnessing it. Credible, competent people witnessing it, catching it on video. So I, I don't know. See, either the Chinese are demons. Uh, I mean, what's one or the other? They could be the same thing. The commies. Um, but at least they're investigating it. I just think they should do it behind closed doors because, you know, it's going to be a clown show uh, in public on C-SPAN.